Blog Talk Radio. Well, here we go, ladies and gentlemen, across the airwaves. We finalize it here on Saturdays with the Standing Above the Crowd podcast, hosted by a brother of mine, a mentor, a friend, James Donaldson. Yours truly, Mark Mancini, producing this in Los Angeles, 347-205-9631. This show goes by quick, so catch the archive version on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Mancini Sports podcast platforms, wherever you subscribe to podcasts, powered now by Mancini Media. So as I lay the red carpet down, put the podium in its place, hand off the mic. First of all, James, how are you? Second of all, how can people get a hold of you? And third of all, momentarily, as we wait for him to call in, we got a legend coming in. Yes. Is he in? Not yet, my friend. I'll let you know when he does. All right. Well, let me just greet our audience here. This is James Donaldson with Standing Above the Cloud Sports Talk Podcast. We do it every single Saturday morning, right at this time, uh, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And it's a 30-minute show, fast-paced, action-packed. It fills from end to end. So just kind of bear with us and stay tuned. We get your questions in as we can squeeze them in. But feel free to calling your questions to our producer behind the scenes, Mark Mancini. Uh, you can get a hold of me at jamesd at standingabovethecrowd.com, which is one of my personal emails. comes directly to me. Uh, I get right back to you. So shoot me your thoughts, your comments, uh, good, bad, or indifferent, and also suggestions on who you'd like to see in the upcoming shows and podcasts. Uh, so with me, um, you know, a beautiful day up here in the Pacific Northwest where I am, but I'm calling, I'm having our guest call in from the Boston area, uh, and this is a serious legend. You know, I think a lot of you listening audience out there, you feel and see my adoration I have for several of our guests we've had and, and the love I have for them. I'm speaking of guys like uh, Coach Lenny Wilkins, Coach George Raveling, uh, Earl Monroe, this man is right in that group, and if I was in a foxhole, uh, this would be my starting five. Uh, Lenny Wilkins, George Ravelin, Earl Monroe, and Tom Sad Sanders, a Hall of Famer, NBA Hall of Famer, eight-time NBA world champion, uh, played his whole career with the Boston Celtics, and he's calling in just now, so we'll get him on the board here in just a second. Mark, is he ready to go? He is queued up and ready to go in Beantown, my friend. Beantown. Hey, good morning, Satch, from uh, the Pacific Northwest. How are you today? Okay, can we hear you? Yep. He should be right there, ready to go. All right, gentlemen. Hey, hey, all right, Seth Sanders, I just made the intro for you and introduced ourselves to the audience out there. We've got, we got a nationwide listening audience, and they call in from all over the country and submit their questions to our producer, Mark Mancini. So Mark will feed me the questions, and I'll read a few of them off as we squeeze them in. But really, you know, the show is about, uh, you know, these great – uh, people in my life and and my NBA colleagues, guys I've played against, guys I've known throughout the years, 
I mentioned that if I was going to put together a starting five to be in the foxhole with, uh, you would be one of those guys. And uh, former guests, Coach Lenny Wilkins, Coach George Raveling, Earl Monroe, you and me, if that was our starting five, I'd be, I'd be fully good with that. So in the foxhole, especially. So, hey, Satch, why don't you give the folks a little uh, update on your life, what you've been doing back there in the Boston area. And I've got a lot of great information I'll be sharing with the audience throughout our half hour. So go ahead and do a quick introduction of yourself, Satch. Okay. Um, certainly, uh, I'm out of New York City, uh, the okay. place where uh, a lot of grand ball players came out of. Um, you guys are lucky you've got one out there in, uh, in Lenny Wilkins. Okay. I yeah. remember Lenny in high school. <laughs> yeah, that's how far far back we go. Um, wow. But and and Lenny of course did quite a job with the the St. Louis team before he went on and and did all the great things he did in the NBA. We uh, uh Harlem, New York was home, played in the Rutgers tournament. Had an opportunity to play against a lot of globe trotters and Eastern leaguers and stuff back in the '60s. Uh, came up to uh, Boston and spent 13 seasons there, and then went to went to to test my coaching game at Harvard University, and uh, then back to the uh, Celtics, an assistant coach, and then uh, when they removed Tom Heinsohn. I had an opportunity to coach the Celtics for a very short period of time. Somehow, my losing record did not steal the imagination of the ownership (laughs) (laughs) and the fans and the media. So so between all of the pressure and stuff, I I was let go and um, got in the restaurant business for about four years and then uh, moved on to – Back to sports, athletics, and stuff, and back to uh, uh, back to the NBA for about nineteen, right. twenty years. And uh, uh, do, do, was, doing uh, what? Do, doing what at that time, Satch, with the NBA? Uh, well, at the NBA, I started started the uh, the uh, player programs department, which at that time was the first for any professional league, uh, sports league. And the concern there was to handle all of the things that players uh, may touch on in their life or should touch on, and uh, which brought us into uh, play with a lot of the union efforts. And, Mm. hey, we were concerned about players and and helping them uh, see where they could go and, and do well in life. After the game. Wonderful. Wonderful. Wow, that is fantastic. Well, you and I met uh, originally uh, with the NBA Retired Players Association. Uh, We were both board members there for a time. And, uh, you know, we were kind of in the midst of some transitions, some some, uh, big vision ideas that you and I and Charles Smith had. Uh, so, you know, we did our time with that, trying to improve the lot for all the guys there. Uh, but, you know, after we saw that uh, our efforts weren't going to be welcomed as much as we hoped they would be, uh, we've all moved on, and they're still doing what they do. Uh, 
were now were you part or instrumental of setting up the retired NBA Players Association as well? Yeah, I, I was a, a part of the uh, uh, of the beginning group of uh, Dave Bing, Oscar Robertson, uh, Dave Cowens, and the guys. But uh, with my work with the NBA at that time, uh, I certainly could not uh, have, as they say, two masters. And I was working with the NBA. I worked with the retired players group. And uh, we were able to get some, get it off the ground, in fact, and and move on to some 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 very interesting topics. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. I got a whole list of your accomplishments here. I want to read through real quick for our listening audience. Uh, first round pick, uh, 1960 NBA draft with the Celtics, the eighth pick overall, and look at this, eight-time NBA world champion. I'm going to run out of breath reading all these years, 1961, 62, 63, 64, 65, 66, 68, and 69. You won eight championships in the 60s, that whole decade. What what a fantastic run. And I think you're one of only three players who've won that many uh, championships, that many rings. You ran out of fingers. you got a couple thumbs left, but you ran out of fingers. Uh, your numbers retired, number 16, by the Boston Celtics. Uh, what a fabulous career you've had, and you've done some uh, remarkable things, staying involved with the game, mentoring so many of us younger guys. And, uh, you know, we all, we all look up to you. And, and uh, matter of fact, let's, let's talk about uh, there was a little controversy a couple of weeks ago uh, with J.J. Redick and Bob Cousy. Uh, you remember, did you, you hear about that? Let's see. Uh, I think J.J., uh, who was quite a player, uh, quite a shooter mm-hmm. when he uh, played in the league, um, was talking about the so-called old days when Bob Cousy played. And he he didn't imply. He said that uh, that was a time when a lot of plumbers and carpenters were playing basketball uh, <laughs> or right. something of that sort. And and all all he did was display a tremendous amount of ignorance, uh, yes. because he because the NBA certainly was well underway uh, by that time. Uh, Cousy I think came in in fifty or fifty two. Uh, there were a heck of a lot of players around, and there's there's a question as to whether or not a lot of players could play at that time when the physicality of the game was uh, kind of different, as they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it just goes to show how much this younger generation uh, just doesn't know history, they don't study history, they may not care about history, uh, which is one of the reasons I keep so many of, you know, you guys, my my seniors in my corner and in my life, because I love talking about the history of the NBA, the history of the United States. Speaking with Lenny Wilkins, he tells me about traveling down south with St. Louis and with Atlanta Hawks back in the days of segregation. Uh, you know, these stories are fantastic, and our young people really need to understand uh, how life was and how you all paved the way for today's NBA game the way it is now. Well, it's interesting, uh, James, you know, uh, I used to try and tell my uh, 
some relatives uh, and nep- nieces, nephews, younger people in my life, um, how things were in the so-called old days and how difficult it was many times for for people of color uh, of any hue to try and, and, and get some things done. It's interesting mm-hmm. simply because uh, most of the things I talked about uh, have are on the plate of these young people now. And mm-hmm. they look up and say, well, were things as, as bad as, as they were, as they are now? I say, well, uh, racism has always been alive and well uh, in this country and in the world. So you yeah. can rest assured that, that, that there were difficult times all around and wanted you kids, younger people, to be aware of what the world was really like. Right, exactly. Now, we don't, we don't think of Boston necessarily as being south, but, you know, we hear Bill Russell's accounts of how, how it was to play in Boston with the Celtics. You played right along with Bill. Uh, what, are you, what are some of your personal remembrances of those days? Well, you know, what's interesting is that that's a conversation uh, I've had a few times with, with people talking about uh, Boston and trying to pinpoint uh, Boston or spotlight Boston as an awful place. But what you have to understand is that we're talking about America. Uh, mm-hmm. My worst experiences were in Los Angeles. In fact, yeah, my worst experiences were, were Los Angeles and, and um, Indiana, across the country. So wherever yes. you talk about uh, cities, majors, and, and a fairly decent-sized uh, black population, you can rest assured there are racism or racist stories to, to mm-hmm. tell and to talk about. Russell ran into some experiences because uh, Russell, of course, was what they term uh, unbending, okay? And, uh, uh. <laughs> and folks did not like the fact that he had no problem uh, stating uh, when situations happened with him in talking about them. Uh, a lot of mm. times uh, uh, people felt that uh, blacks should just be glad that they're having an opportunity. Um, mm. <laughs> and, of course, that was certainly not the case. Uh, and definitely not the case with Russell, who who thought and was on target on the fact that he earned everything he received. And so wow. uh, people did not like that particular attitude. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Uh, my old pastor at church used to tell us, anything south of the Canadian border is south. You know, in America, it's <laughs> south. <laughs> so it includes Boston, New York, and all the rest of them. Uh, hey, oh, yeah. Let, let's yeah, yeah, that's right. Ahead, let's let's uh, give, give me your thoughts on on the the NBA now and then. Now with Steph Curry and the boys and the rest of them, LeBron James, and then with uh, you know Chamberlain and and Russell and all the great guys you played against and with. What what are you, some some of your observations? Some of the differences in comparisons well certainly the outstanding athletes that played uh uh during let's say my day in the 60s and up could play and star today Mm. the athletes 
of today, whether it be LeBron, Curry, Tatum, uh, Jason Brown, any of the guys, uh, Jalen Brown, any of the guys who are superior athletes with the kind of uh, training and, and, and diet situations would be outstanding athletes now. You know, they, the, but some, one thing is certain to me, the athletes of today are much better athletes than okay. we were at, at at that particular time in the 60s. There's no question about that. We were not mm. as aware of diets and weightlifting. In fact, we were barred from weightlifting in the 60s, okay, in the early wow. 60s. They, they didn't want <laughs> players. They thought that many coaches thought that weightlifting uh, would hurt your basketball touch in terms of ability to score. And so uh, that was uh, a standard across the board, amateur and pros. The other thing was yeah. uh, you had one meal. I think uh, the big meal had to be at about 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Everyone had to have a steak and mashed potatoes at most and, uh, and a green vegetable. And across the wow. board, we're talking about uh, college, <laughs> we're talking pro league, those those were the standards, and, and those, uh, those were the situations that we were involved in. I remember being fined for, for eating later. Uh, I, ate, okay. uh, I made the mistake of eating about my pregame meal loaded up with uh, a combination of beef and also some, some, some uh, uh, pork at about 11 o'clock in the morning. And because <laughs> the digestive system didn't take care of business, I felt kind of ill about seven thirty, eight o'clock in terms of playing time, and I was fine for 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 not being prepared. I remember Sam Jones on a scorer on our old teams was fined a hundred dollars for eating pancakes uh, after uh, the hour of one o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, so we had all kinds of situations. Uh, in in the so-called old days, but there's no question that the athletes of today are much better athletes. They don't know the yeah. game better. Uh, they don't know the game as well as we knew it then. But they certainly right. uh, are better athletes. That's, that's unquestioned. And that's what I was going to touch on: the basketball IQ of today's players versus back in the day, and also the the fundamentals of the game. I mean, what do you see with that? Well, you know, uh, last night's game was a firm example of, of, of throwback basketball. When a player is hot, if you're talking about winning a game, when a player mm-hmm. is hot, the way uh, Steph Curry uh, was hot um, last night against the Celtics, uh, you want to get him the ball as many times as possible <laughs> because yeah. he's got the hot hand. It's not a percentage situation. He's making just about everything that leaves his hands. So that's, right. that's winning basketball, and that's the way we so-called played in the old days. Uh, so many teams you watch now, when a player is hot, that's important, but not important enough for other players to feel that they ought to give up their opportunities to score. Ah, <laughs> ah. Nowadays, they're talking about playing basketball and opportunities 
to be an outstanding player. They're not talking as much about winning basketball. Winning basketball uh, means that ball goes to the player who is best able to take advantage of the defense of the opponent. And, and yeah. that's what, uh, that's what uh, Golden State did last night, and it was fabulous to see. I was sorry that yeah. the Celtics were the victims, but, but it was a pleasure <laughs> to watch the action. Well, that, that's a nice segue in our last 10 minutes. Uh, let's talk a few minutes about the NBA Finals. Tied up at 2-2 now, Celtics and Warriors. Going back to uh, the Warriors' home, home court, uh, what's, what's your thoughts? Uh, do you have any favorite in this? Uh, I know you're a lifelong Celtic. Uh, Celtics are my sentimental favorites as well. But uh, what's your thoughts going back to San Francisco for game five coming up? Yeah, you know, it, 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 playoffs are, are, are a different kind of uh, uh, entity. Each game, uh, frankly, each game is, is separate. It's a separate entity onto itself. The Celtics have won in, in, in San Francisco, and Golden State has won in Boston. So, you know, there is no, no – when you get to the finals, there is no home court advantage. It's whoever is playing best. And yeah. that's where we are now. Each team has, has won two games. And as as a player in the finals, you know, a lot of things are important. But one of the things you, you look at is, is, is the flow of the game. So you yeah. know what you're capable. For example, we know what, uh, what Curry is capable of doing. The issue is, will he be able to do that? The issue it comes down to how many players are able to duplicate uh, their their performances every game. And the mm-hmm. Ravens stand out because they are able to do well in every single game, and that's that right. they're expected to do well. <laughs> but the issue as is to how well becomes a factor. Is 20 a game yeah. or 25 a game enough, or will uh, Curry be expected to get 43 and 10 rebounds? <laughs> you know, that's that may not be a possibility the next time around. One assumes the Celtics will be doing something different to perhaps yes. keep them yes. from scoring that, that much and that well. And we don't know how the player's health is. You know, you remember how, how you played. You, you start out the game, and if that first shot goes in, you feel pretty good if it's a good shot. And then if you make a second and third one, you know, you start looking for the ball. Okay. That's and you right. hope your teammates right. understand that you're you're ready to really play, okay? And and you might be the hot man, but you know if you miss your first one, two, maybe three shots, you know if you're an outside shooter, what you end up doing is taking a step closer to the basket and mm-hmm. waiting for that first one to go in, okay? So let's yeah. say that fourth or fifth shot goes in, okay? After you scored two or three shots then you feel confident enough to step back maybe uh, to that three-point line and take a few more of those if you have the green light, if you are a player with the green light to shoot at will. And, you know, what you have to recognize, a lot of players, and particularly in the old days, uh, where certain people were designated 
and as it is today. You are the mm-hmm. one that they expect to get 20. Uh, for example, you have a Celtic team where you have Brown and and uh, and Tatum are expected to to you know get uh, anywhere from 40 to 60 points between the two of them. Uh, that's that's right. what the Celtics would would expect from them. Uh, mm-hmm. For uh, for Golden State, certainly Curry and and uh, and Clay are expected to get the same kind of points. Yeah, for their team. That's right. And expectations are one thing. <laughs> what you're able to do reality-wise can be different. Right. And, and, and basketball is such a game of rhythm. And also the playoffs especially are, is a game of adjustments. So you're talking about yeah. making those adjustments. They go back, yeah, go back to San Francisco, adjustments. Both teams. Mm-hmm. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting it's it's an interesting series because these teams really, in my judgment, are are pretty equal in 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 talent. It's a matter of where are the injuries and and frankly, once you get past the halfway mark, there are a lot of players that are playing with injuries. Uh, that's yeah. all part of the game. Uh, what's your yeah. pain tolerance? Is many times mm-hmm. what it comes down to, uh, mm-hmm. and, and some players can can play. Uh, with discomfort, and some players can't. Yes, that's right. That's right. I want to point out to our listening audience, you won those eight world championships without a single loss, eight and zero in the NBA finals, your career. And that is just a, a feat. I don't know if it could ever be topped uh, in today's game anymore. Uh, guys like LeBron, you know, he won – what, four or five championships, but he's got four or five losses as well. You know, those kind of things. So, uh, but no, what what you guys did set the standard so high, the bar so high with the Celtics back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, hanging all those banners from the, from the rafters up there in the Boston Garden, uh, still something that all teams are trying to strive to be like. It's just fantastic what you all did, so. It's difficult at best, Don. Uh, you know, and 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 yeah. I, I just nowadays when when contractual situations are not just only on the players but on the ownership and the team, when they start looking at the kind of dollars that are that that players earn today, uh, mm-hmm. you, decisions are made not only on how well a player plays but also. Whether how much money is involved with being paid out? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. How much you want to? How much you want to? You know, gear towards one particular player and take a huge bite out of your cap, and then spread the rest of it around everybody else. So, but no, it, it's all a team. It's a team game. That's the beauty of basketball. It's such a team game that you got to be on sync and the same page with your players. Otherwise, it's going to be futile and. Uh, Hey, we got. I got a couple minutes. I need to talk about. Uh, I'm broadcasting this from the Pacific Northwest, Seattle. Seattle lost our team, NBA team, back in 2009. There's rumors of the NBA expanding in a couple of teams in the next two, three, four years. Seattle's rumored to be on that list. What are your thoughts on trying to get a team back in Seattle and uh, wherever else they may put it? Well, you know, Seattle is one of my favorite. Cities. It was a heck of a distance, mm-hmm. no question about that. But it was one of my favorite favorite cities. And and uh, you know, I I can remember what I remember most about it was that uh, it was always uh, 
cloudy. We saw very, very little <laughs> sun when we were out, out, yeah, out in Seattle's way. But that was okay as far as I was concerned. It was an enjoyable city, and they had some great, great people. And it, it, it's interesting because I found some of my former schoolmates and, and, and teammates were living in, uh, in the Seattle area. In fact, uh, yeah. what, Bill Russell lives out there uh, now. And we don't talk uh, as often as as perhaps we should, but uh, he he has obviously enjoyed Seattle because he's been out there what an easy twenty I don't know maybe twenty five thirty years. So uh, there's something about yeah. Seattle that that's a real draw where he's concerned, and I I certainly uh, love that city also. So I'm hoping that they can get a franchise. Uh, back out there again because uh, what was it? Was it Key Arena? Was that an, the yeah, name that, of it? That was a, yeah, that was. A, but before then was the Kingdom. Remember the Kingdom back in the days, in the seventies <laughs> okay. and eighties. Yeah, yeah, those were those were uh, days. Uh, certainly, when I was uh, doing more watching than playing, because I retired in seventy three. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Uh, I think you came in the league in about in in eighty seventy nine eighty. I came in eighty eighty. Yes. Okay. All right. So that's when your presence was felt, and uh, yeah. that's right. You stayed. You stayed a, a heck of a long time. I think uh, what eighteen twenty years, or or were you well, up there with Kareem and Paris? Or what? <laughs> Not quite. 15 years NBA, but uh, Seattle's okay. been home ever since, and I've loved it. So, uh, uh, Seth, we got to wrap up in a few, but I just wanted to say thank you so much for being our guest today. Uh, this is what this show is about, just really talking about what the players are doing during their playing days and after the playing days and the impact they've had on this great game of basketball. Uh, Satch, I'll follow up with a quick phone call to you after we sign off. But, folks, tune in with us every single Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Standing Above the Crowd Sports Talk Podcast with James Donaldson, yours truly. And we'll be here with the next, another guest next week, another great guest for you to enjoy. Keep on showing it and supporting us. Have a wonderful, wonderful day, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much, Satch. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, you take care, James.